0: Writer at the OBR, coming at you guys here on uh, Friday morning, talking about Browns and Cardinals and what is to come in Sunday's rare crossover matchup. Um, looking back all time, the Browns are 33 14 3 against the Cardinals, most of which um, those wins happened uh, quite a while ago. Uh, it seems as though a plethora of those wins happened when they were the Chicago Cardinals um, in the 50s. Since 2000, the Browns are Really, I should say, since since the move, the Browns are one and four against the Cardinals. The lone win coming in 2003. Um, the last three matchups have happened in 2007. If you recall that 2007 game, the Browns lost to Kurt Warner's led Cardinals 27 to 21 and put the Browns at seven and five. That was a tough road loss. When uh, I believe Kellen Winslow was on the sideline there and got pushed out late in the game, ends up costing them on that final drive situation. 2011, start to get into some names. It's ironic though. In 2000, uh, 2011, the Cardinals went to. Uh, they won 20 to 17. They went to seven and seven at that point. The Browns went to four and ten. Seneca Wallace was your Browns cornerback. 18 of 31 for 226 and a touchdown. Peyton Hillis, your running back, 26 carries, 99 yards. Greg Little, your leading receiver, five catches for 131 and a touchdown. The Cardinals are led by John Skelton. Blast from the past there. 28. 46, 313 in a touchdown. Beanie Wells was their running back, 15 carries, 51 yards in the touchdown. And Todd Heap, the tight end, had uh, seven catches or 69 yards. It um it was led by the two guys who are still playing for the Cardinals almost a decade later. Patrick Peterson's punt return is what helps set up the, the um, 32-yard skeleton touchdown to Larry Fitzgerald, who, like I said, is still playing. 2015. The Cardinals went to 6-2 and two at the time. Carson Palmer and Chris Johnson, two names that you probably remember from a not-too-distant past. David Johnson was on that team, but not an active part of things. Uh, Michael Floyd was the leading receiver with Larry Fitzgerald. They went to, like I said, 6-2. and two. The Browns, led by Josh McCown, who threw for 211 yards, three touchdowns. Isaiah Crowell um, was the leading rusher with only 14 yards. Duke Johnson had two catches for 68 yards. Gary Barnage, seven for 53. At that point, like I said, it was a 34-20 Cardinals win put them at six and two, Cleveland at two and six. So it's rare that these two teams get together, but when they do, it seems like there's some things that connect them and I think that continue you know will continue to be the story. Heading into Sunday that there's a lot of things that connect these two franchises. but let's let's get to uh, where the Cardinals are. They're three, nine and one, not where they wanted to be. I think there have been some positives for this franchise at this point, uh, especially with Cliff Kingsbury and where they're at, I think defensively, they've been very disappointing. Uh, one of the worst coverage teams, actually the worst coverage team according to pro football Focus, to spice and talent back there, which is disappointing. Um, offensively, they've had some firepower. They've had some some games where they've stood out, but they have not been consistent enough. And they especially have not played consistently of late, turning the football over uh, four times in the last two weeks against Pittsburgh and the Rams. Now, two very good defenses, defenses that have been playing at a much higher rate than the Browns. But that'll be interesting to track if the Browns can keep, um, you know, the trend for the Cardinals of turning the football over. Kyler Murray, the first overall pick, um, you know, the other Oklahoma kid, other Heisman winner, is uh, 293 of 457, a 64.1% completion percentage, 3,060 yards, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He has also run for 448 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he's their leading rusher. David Johnson's played and started in eight games, 89 yards, to inter- um 89 attempts, 336 yards, two touchdowns. Not the same player. He does have 35 catches for 336 and four touchdowns. Not the same explosive player as he was a few years ago. Still good enough. Um, you know, once an increased role, we'll try to try to keep getting that in this offense. They traded for Kenyon Drake, who has 280 yards and a touchdown and 121 receiving yards. He is going to be a factor for them. Christian Kirk, uh, one of their better wide receivers, if not their best wide receiver. Um, He has uh, 57 catches, 616 yards, and three touchdowns. Right there with Larry Fitzgerald, the ageless wonder, who has 64 catches, 669 yards, and three touchdowns as well. Um, Those are your two leading receivers. It does seem as though Andy Isabella has come on of late, eight catches for 185 yards and a touchdown. Farrow Cooper is involved, 21 catches, 188 and a touchdown. Keyshawn Johnson, 21 for 187 and a touchdown. So they have had some of those... um, Uh, Sort of secondary players who have come along. Charles Clay is their their predominant tight end. 16 catches, 203 yards and a touchdown. And Max Williams, former Raven, sees some time, 211 for 139 and a touchdown. So not um, an embarrassment of weapons, but good enough players for Kyler Murray in this offense, this spread offense that features a lot of throws, a lot of short throws, uh, 6.5 yards per attempt for Murray. So they, they don't push the ball downfield necessarily, but they do throw the ball pretty frequently. Um, defensively, Buda Baker is their best player. He has uh, a I think he has 118 combined tackles, 87 solo. Uh, he has one uh, forced fumble on the year, no interceptions. But is like I said, their best player in the back half. Uh, Jordan Hicks, linebacker, who I wanted the Browns to take a look at. I, I think they did take a hard look at him. The former Philadelphia Eagle, um, way, dating way back, to he was a Texas Longhorn and a, a Lakota kid coming out of uh, high school. He has 121 tackles, 73 solo, three picks, 64 yards from his linebacker position, a couple forced fumbles. Byron Murphy's their best corner. He will be an impactful part of the game. He has 58 tackles, one interception. Um, Chandler Jones off the edge leads them with 14 sacks. Very good player still coming off the edge. Will be a handful for the Browns that they will have to get help with. Uh, Terrell Suggs, only five and a half sacks. Not the player he used to be. We hear that from our guest later, but he is still an active part of things and somebody who has haunted the Browns over the years. So uh, they'll have to account for him. Patrick Peterson, seven games started, not healthy all year, but he's still a, a threat when he's out on the field. He does have one interception in the year. Um, you know, other than that, defensively, just a bunch of sort of jags. I mean, you know, Rodney Gunter's had an active role. Hassan Reddick. Has only played in five games in which he started. He's played 13 total, but he's been a disappointment. Like I said, the back half of their defense is a pretty big problem in terms of trying to seek some consistency. They have not found it. They will try to continue to keep uh, putting their best foot forward. They think they can do some things against the Browns. I'm sure Zane Gonzalez is their kicker. 30, uh, 27 of 30 may, uh, you know, 27 makes on 30 attempts, pretty good year. 23 of 24 extra points. I think he's made a. Certain number in a row. He's had a really good season, which is unfortunate given what the you know what happened in his Browns tenure. Um, Andy Lee is their punter. Yeah, two thousand two hundred two thousand four hundred twenty-six yards, uh, forty-eight point five yards per punt. He's punted fifty times. So those are both Browns connections. We'll talk about all those Browns connections with our guest uh, before we get over to our guest. So I want to talk to you guys about roman which is never something that's easy to talk about which is ed you never want to have that conversation with anybody and you even don't like leaving your house to have it with your doctor this is where roman can step in and make things easy with a real doctor who can prescribe you real medication from home it's simple safe and totally discreet with roman you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home a doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate roman will ship it to you. With free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com BlueWire and complete an online visit. Rectal dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Completed an online visit today to connect with a doctor and get it taken care of. So again, guys, go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for that free visit to get started. Alrighty, so we're going to shift over and have a good conversation about the Cardinals with our guest today. Okay, Cardinals week. Not usually uh, somebody I am trying to find for information. You know, the, the Browns and Cardinals don't get together all too often. And um, uh, that's okay, though. I think it's a it's a fun matchup. I think this one has a, has a real chance to be a shootout. And I wanted to get some good Cardinals info, so I've come across somebody on Twitter who I think does a great job kind of researching as far as I can. Uh, Jody Ayler, who hosts The Drive on uh, Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix, I think he'll give us some good perspective on the Cardinals. Jody, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good. I think it's for the collective health of both fan bases that these two teams don't play together a whole lot because it's uh, it's a lot of sadness. It's a lot of sadness.
0: (laughs) It is a lot of sadness. You're right. And really for Ohio folks, the most we talk about Phoenix is when Ohio State comes out to (laughs) to the (laughs) Fiesta Bowl. So it's a familiar at least setting. But yeah, the last time I think I really remember the Browns being out in Phoenix for some sort of meaningful football. 2007 they played out there and Um, you know, I think Browns fans will recall that when Kellen Winslow got pushed out of bounds. I think they had just changed the rule. or The rule was in place for that final drive, and he got pushed out when he was in the air. And there's a lot of controversy there. The Browns missed out on the playoffs by one game, and that game, unfortunately, was one of the ones that hurt them. But um, not much history. I think it'll be really cool to sort of tie this all together. The Browns are obviously connected through Baker and Cliff and Kyler, and I think that's a really unique dynamic, uh, especially for – sort of storylines and making it a really interesting offensive football game because all three of those guys are heavily influenced on both of their team's offense, obviously. So, so give me your, Jody, if you can, just sort of where the Cardinals are. Is Has the Cliff Kingsbury experience and the Kyler experience been sort of what you guys expected and what is the state of the Cardinals as they sort of wrap up year one of this new experiment?
1: yeah, we're kind of in the transition point right now with three games to go, obviously, they're they're not good. They're three, nine and one. But you know there were the early season was really a lot of joy about Kyler Murray, who was really effective. And obviously, his turnover numbers prior to the last two weeks were amongst the best in football at the quarterback level. At one point, they had the fewest turnovers in the league. They weren't doing anything to sort of overwhelm anybody, but statistically, they'd climbed up into the middle of the pack in virtually every offensive category. Uh, the analogy I always use is last year under Steve Books and Mike McCoy and Byron Leftwich and Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen, the, the Cardinals' offense was basically in the Stone Ages. And this year, you know, they're at least like the the Model T has been invented. You know, the, the, they haven't quite caught up to the Sean McVay Andy Reid offenses, which are space exploration technologically relative to the Cardinals. But they're improving. And I'll say this about Cliff. Um, he's not been bad and I, I, it's a backhanded compliment. It's supposed to be, I I thought Cliff was the least qualified head coach ever hired in the NFL Mm -hmm. and dubious of his ability to lead a football team. Clearly they made a mistake in training camp. He acknowledged it. They took it easy. They had snack breaks. They weren't showing anything in preseason. And then that first half against the Lions, they nearly got the, blow, the doors blown off the entire season. Um, and then that second half, Kyler Murray came back firing. And that's sort of the, the attitude they've had the rest of the year. They've fought. They've been competitive other than you know, one game, really. They, they've been competitive. And I think people are still trying to figure out exactly what Cliff brings. Kyler's been for a quarterback-star franchise maybe similar to what you guys experienced with Baker last year, uh, a revelation in terms of the excitement, the future, the hope. And I think that is what people are trying to hold on to in the midst of the six game losing streak. And specifically last week, the duck Hodges and Benny Snell, and, and, you know, obviously your rivals there in the North. So I think we're trying to, and Kyler's played his two worst games the last two weeks. He's turning the ball over, um, He's pro football focused at a stat. He's taken 21 sacks that they credit to the quarterback, which is the most in football in the last 14 years. So I'm curious to see if the regression continues. He's got no signature victory. The Browns would qualify as that for, for Kyler Murray. So I'm curious if he comes out and uh, finishes strong at home. they got one home win before they finish on the road against the Seahawks and the Rams. So this is kind of the the kind of the, realistically the last hurrah for this team before they're likely to to NFC West vote.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's particularly interesting you mentioned that uh sort of working Kyler working himself into sacks and um, you know with, with the browns defensively they're obviously lacking miles Garrett who's an all-world defensive and talent and then they're they're missing Olivier Vernon who's had a really nice season opposite of miles so they're very beat up uh, on the edges up front they don't get upfield very fast they don't rush upfield and sort of turn a quarterback inside I'll be fascinated to see how Kyler does in the pocket and if he feels the need to sort of unsettlingly run in lanes because the Browns actually do with this group at least they did with Russell Wilson some of those guys who can move a little bit they do a pretty good job of sort of sitting in rush lane so if Kyler can sort of be patient and uh, trust what's going on in front of him and settle his feet in the pocket which I think I've said about Baker Mayfield about 75 times this season if he can be patient uh, I think he will have a lot of opportunities to make plays downfield so let's talk about two things offensively I want your opinion on how has the offensive line done collectively sort of I, I'm sure there's been a ton of moving parts and they've they've moved some people around maybe I, I can't be the you know to be fair I, I haven't followed the Cardinals very closely just sort of in an arm's sure. length. but how are they doing up front uh protection wise with who they have I know there, there's some names there that have been staples for a while um but then too when he's able to get the ball out I know Kyler leads them in rushing and David Johnson's a unique talent, obviously, but it's sort of been an up-and-down year for him. When the Browns look defensively, who do they have to really stop from a weapon standpoint to have an effective game defensively?
1: So I'll start with the offensive line. Um, There's two answers to that question. One is relative to the offensive line performance of the Cardinals last year, which was historically bad. And relative to that, Cardinals offensive line has been passable Um, in the context of a... Actual NFL offensive line that have, would have some standards and expectations beyond just not being historically bad. They've been below average. They haven't been awful, but they haven't been uh, above average either. DJ Humphreys is is a walking penalty. He's a left tackle that's a free agent at the end of the year. One of Steve Kim's many you know quasi failures in the first round as, as ten years general manager. Um, right tackle's been a revolving door for the fourth straight year. They're back to Jordan Mills, who they picked up off waivers from the Bills at the beginning of the year. He got injured. Justin Murray started for a while. I won't bore you with the details of really the personnel necessarily. It's just, it, it it's a vulnerable, it's interesting you talk about the edges for the Browns. That's really where they're most vulnerable. Um, uh, Justin Pugh's on on the injury report, the back injury, he's, he's fought off and on all year. He'd be a relatively big loss for them. He's not a great interior presence for them, but along with A.Q. Shipley and J.R. Sweezy, they've had some continuity on the inside. They're vulnerable on the outside. Kyler Murray gets in trouble most when he feels pressure from the outside and he's got this bad habit of basically pirouetting, like spinning and trying to just duck out of pressure. He's, he's used to out athleting everybody on the football field from day one. And he is acknowledged finally that, you know, he can't out athlete NFL defenders the way he did in the big 12. And it's taken him a long time to figure that out. He, he struggled with that in week one. He struggled with that in, week 14 and i just think for him one of the biggest mental adjustments because i i call him an athlete athlete he is just he is a quick twitch athlete that stands out on a field full of world class athletes like uh, other world class athletes stop and admire his skill set and so he's used to being able to kind of do whatever he wants he can't do that you know and and not to mention we've seen the last few weeks like his size has not been an issue. The line of scrimmage, batted passes have not been an issue. Um, his, his ability to make reads has not been an issue. His height, generally speaking, has not been a limitation. But when dudes, defenders get their paws on him, he he, he he's gets tossed around. And we saw that the last two weeks, Aaron Donald with the Rams, just basically rock bottom to, to borrow a professional wrestling phrase, <laughs> just kind of one arm. And and he, He's been getting hit a lot more the last few weeks. So I'll be curious to see based on the Browns, you know, personnel there, if, if he's able, if he's got time, he is a devastating downfield thrower. And the next question about weapons, you're going to try to get the Brown game going. Kenyon Drake is Cliff Kingsbury's guy. Um, the Cardinals have invested more draft capital in the last three years in the running back position than the offensive line, which is astounding. But, it's really the guy you've got to watch out for is Christian Kirk. He is Kyler Murray's target. He is a guy that is capable of making big plays. He's not great at getting off the line and beating press coverage. There is no Cardinal wide receiver that can really create separation individually. They scheme guys open, and Cliff has really been at his best. If you just break in some Cardinals film down and isolating individual players, Cliff's doing some really creative smart plays, but there's not a lot of cohesiveness to this offense. Not only because it is an experience as a play caller, but because personnel wise, they've got nobody individually that can beat you other than Kyler Murray. Um and so if you're talking about who is going to beat this Browns defense offensively, it's it's Kyler Murray. It's really it. And he's not running the ball a lot, but he's capable of running the ball They don't throw the ball downfield a lot, but when they do, he has been incredibly accurate, and um, it's really just a matter of what kind of day he has. We saw last week the Steelers did a really good job of kind of confusing Kyler early on. They disguised a lot of blitzes. They dropped back in coverage. He struggled early in that game, never really got back on track. I'm curious to see if other teams sort of adopt that kind of confusion at the line of scrimmage. But personnel-wise, David Johnson breaking fantasy players' hearts, um, he had five touches for 51 yards and a touchdown last week, but I, I don't know how big of a role he's going to play. Uh, Freddie kitchen's obviously familiar with him coach David Johnson at, at running backs in 2017, although he was injured that year, and obviously familiar with some of the other personnel based on his decade in, in Phoenix, but, uh, it's Kyler Murray, you know, if you, if you, if you can force Kyler Murray to some mistakes, Browns will probably win this game. If Kyler Murray, um, does not turn the ball over. It'll probably be a, a final possession, fourth quarter again, the way most Cardinals games have been this year.
0: Yeah, those are. I mean, those are great insights. I think it's fascinating, David Johnson, in, in an offense that seems almost curtailed for what he can do. I know he's battled some injuries, obviously, um, and I think there's been some rumblings that he wants a bigger role or something like that. I might have read. I, I. don't know, but uh, it, it'll be. It'll be interesting to me seeing how effectively they can get the ball because last week the Browns got ate up by Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon for the Bengals ran for a hundred. 140 yards and was effective catching the ball and check downs. So I think they will probably try to do a little bit of the same with, um, you know, with David. And then, and then my my attention or what grabs me the most defensively, obviously, um, the Cardinals have talent up front. They have two names that stand out. People in, in Cleveland are very familiar with Terrell Suggs. Um, Chandler Jones is obviously a phenomenal player, still playing well uh, in advanced age. And um, a name that pops out to me is Michael Dogbe who was who a Who's a sweetheart of mine in the draft process. It's unfortunate mm. that the Browns missed on him. But nonetheless, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is, you know, Byron Murphy has pretty solid talent. Buda Baker's obviously a very talented player, and Patrick Peterson's a a longtime veteran talented player. Yet the Cardinals have a, a, the worst pro football focus coverage grade by a pretty large amount at only 33.8. Yeah. They, they've they allowed 32 passing touchdowns. What, is there a pulse in, in, in the area there for what is – um, you know, what is going on defensively. They only have 32, sorry, they've had 32 touchdowns thrown against them and only six interceptions, so it seems like coverage is a big issue going on
1: uh, week to week out there. Massive issue. Um, obviously, coverage also can start with pass rush. They got one of the best in football. Chandler Jones leads the league in sacks the last three years. He's he's a one-man pass rush. Drill Suggs has been atrocious this year. Um, his his, his career is pretty much over. He's a legend. He's a hometown product. Um, but he is barely been able to stay on the field uh when they've used him situationally he's peaked in week two um and is not uh, he's got a back injury and dealing with i think the flu bug i'm not sure if he's going to play this week they got chandler jones and that's it dog bay's an interesting long-term talent rodney gunter went on ir so maybe a little bit more for him but they're really bad up front um jordan hicks has been a playmaker for them an inside linebacker but they're their other inside linebacker spot has been awful. Joe Walker and Dennis Gardeck are their other linebackers since first-round pick. Asan Redick has now moved back to outside linebacker. Uh, Joe Walker and Dennis Gardeck sound like your dad's friends from high school not starting inside <laughs> linebackers <laughs> for an NFL team. So they're struggling in coverage. Um, pretty well-publicized, massive Achilles heel. It's not even Achilles heel for the Cardinals. Like It's an Achilles torso is covering tight ends. They have given up by far the most yardage to opposing tight ends in the league. It doesn't matter if it's a big name. You know, T.J. Hawkinson once went, went off. Tyler Higby got going. Before he got injured, Will Disley. Last week, Vance McDonald got concussed. Um, I half expected a concussed Vance McDonald to put up 200 yards on the, <laughs> the, on the Cardinals, but he was in the medical tent and and uh, apparently, they didn't have another tight end who was alive. But um, you can you can murder this Cardinals defense at the tight end position, and the secondary. After that, you mentioned Byron Murphy. He's got talent. He's given up seven touchdowns this season. He's he's not been good as of late. Patrick Peterson served a six game PED suspension, four for the PED test, two for trying to mask it. He came back, and um, he's been terrible. And uh, he's a captain, and he wants a big contract extension. Lot of a lot of local unrest with Vance Joseph, which, you know, I, I'm I'm of the personal opinion you can't fire a defensive coordinator that Steve Kime hired after Steve Kime fired Steve Wilkes, and obviously Wilkes ended up there at Cleveland. But, you know, it's not Vance Joseph's fault that Steve Kime has whiffed on a series of total drafts in the last four years. So they're just Buda Baker's a playmaker. Jordan Hicks is a playmaker. Chandler Jones is a playmaker. Everything else is completely and totally vulnerable. And Duck Hodges was 16 for 19 and could pretty much do whatever he wanted at any point in that game. And, you know, Baker Mayfield could probably throw with his left hand in this game and and put up decent numbers. They're that bad in the secondary.
0: Well, it's going to be fascinating because Duck Hodges did the same thing to Cleveland the week before, so we're facing – it's It's a matchup of the teams that Duck Hodges is making his name against the last two <laughs> yeah. weeks, so um you know the Browns are struggling a bit offensively, they did not throw it well against Pittsburgh, who obviously has a really good defense. Um, but they didn't play well, and they didn't throw it well, and they didn't throw it efficiently against Cincinnati, who does not have a good defense, especially a, a coverage team. They're pretty anemic, too. So I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. It's fascinating. you know, When you look at all of these Cleveland and Arizona connections, obviously Steve Wilkes is going to be hungry to go back and get a win after his just one year in Arizona. Uh, Baker, Kyler, you know, Cliff, all of those guys are connected. Even when you look at the special teams of Andy Lee and Zane Gonzalez, both of which yeah. have been Cleveland guys, uh, at some point in their career, and, and and Zane especially, it's really cool to see him succeed, because it was tough to separate from him, and um, even Andy Isabella, who's just seen an increased role as a Mayfield, Ohio kid, who's a, you know, a Cleveland uh, suburb, so there's a lot of really weird connections that are drawing these two teams together, it'll be fascinating, both offenses really need to get in a rhythm, so I wouldn't mind seeing a high-scoring game, I think it'd be very entertaining, I'm pumped, the fan base should be pumped, this should be a fun game, hopefully, Um, it's a good game because I think that at the end of the day, I'm sick of seeing really poor play. I would prefer to see a really fun and entertaining offensive output from both sides. So um, anyway, Jody, thanks, man. Great insight. I I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, like I said, you know, you'll be out there live and watching. It's It's a good game in person. I appreciate you joining us again.
1: My pleasure. And if the stadium's anything uh, like it was last week with Steelers fans, it's, it's not going to feel like an away game for the Browns. It'll be interesting.
0: I have a friend who's out there who said he's already seen a ton of Browns fans. So I've, I just remember oh, watching yeah. last week thinking, man, I feel bad for the Cardinals that there's so many. And obviously Cleveland fans are known to travel better than almost anyone else in the league other than maybe Dallas and Pittsburgh's probably on the same plane. So it should be it should be a 50-50 crowd again. So... Um, Yeah, look, we're pumped. Cleveland's pumped. I think it's good to get out there, get away. They need to get away from home because – They've had enough struggle and strife, and, and hopefully it's a good game for the Cardinals, too, and everybody stays healthy and all the above. Thanks again to Jody for joining us. You did a great job, great insights on where the you know where the Cardinals are. If you have any other questions, we'll have a preview up on the OBR that'll deal with a little bit of the scheme that goes along with what the Cardinals are trying to do, a little bit deeper X and O dive. Check that out. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for subscribing like you do on Browns Film Breakdown. We're up to like 140 comments, a ton of Uh, ratings and reviews have been left. We're still a five-star, which is amazing to me that you guys want to hear me ramble on. I appreciate that. I appreciate all of you. Again, thanks to Jody for joining us. We will be back Sunday. Uh, We'll probably record a late podcast for uh, for a Monday morning drive-in, as we always do. And until that point, guys, go Browns.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas
0: Hearns.